Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And today we have with us on the show, Imran Muna, co-founder of Instage. Uh, hi Imran, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good, Salman. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to being here. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to learn more about what you do. So let's start by talking about your background. Can you tell us about your professional and personal background? Sure. So personally, my background is in engineering. I have a mechanical engineering degree from Queen's University. I graduated from there in 2014. Uh, I had a lot of interest while I was there in software development. So what I do now professionally is a lot of software development for our company in stage. And I also do a lot of our PR relations, so talking a bit about what we do and explaining to people how virtual reality and artificial intelligence can train the training industry. Perfect. Um, so can you tell us about InStage and how the idea came about? Sure. So to start with uh, where I, InStage sort of came from, um, our one of my other co-founders, Michael, used the headset that we're currently using to do a lot of our work. Uh, it's the HTC Vive, and he used that for the first time about two and a half years ago just to show his friends what VR is capable of and uh, one of his friends went through an experience where they were underwater and it's something that he wasn't really comfortable with as like being an underwater experience is sort of a fear of his and when Michael saw him react the way he did in VR we realized that this is a tool that can elicit real fear and so it can be something we can use to start helping people overcome those fears. And public speaking being everyone's number one fear, or at least one of the most popular fears, we saw VR as a tool to help people start to overcome that. And that's what InStage really does at the heart of things, is help people develop confidence in their ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's sort of the origin of the idea. What InStage does today is we do communication training using virtual reality. So we create ultra-realistic places for people to practice for anything from a classroom presentation to a professional keynote speech. So we create environments like auditoriums, meeting rooms, boardrooms where people can practice giving a presentation or overcoming a client objection, and they can interact with avatars to go through an experience that feels a lot like what they may experience in real life when they're talking to a person about asking for a raise or trying to sell a product. And then we use artificial intelligence, a mixture of human and artificial intelligence to do data collection on how they perform. So. We can track things like what percentage of the time they're using popular filler words like um or uh, and that's what we use uh, IBM for. We use Watson to do a lot of speech analysis. We track biometrics like heart rate and temperature to start pulling out insights about what stresses people out in different types of scenarios like that, and then we provide a report at the end of each session to show people objective feedback about how they performed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, how long has your company been around? Uh, we've been in operation about two years. Two years. So VR is a very hard space right now, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a- attracting a lot of players, a lot of businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs. So do you feel like you are in a very competitive landscape? I, I do and I don't, um, actually, because VR has a lot of competition in, in different areas. So I think primarily the competition is in the gaming sector. There's a lot of steep competition there, with studios being part of that sort of endeavor. Um, in the space we're in, in, in the training industry, uh, corporate training specifically, I haven't seen too many VR applications in that space. Uh, and we're focused even more narrowly than that on communication training. So I have seen some utility applications in uh, real estate, sort of uh, visualizing spaces. I've seen some training applications around in the medical field, but 
with what we're doing in communication training, I feel like we have a pretty specific application. So the competition we have is is somewhat few and far between. Okay. And can you tell us more about your products and services? Sure. So the way InStage operates right now is as an antenna service. Like you're saying, VR is, is still sort of new to most people. And so a lot of the customers, or at least our potential customers, don't have access to their own headsets or hardware. So we bring the hardware on location to our clients and then have a technician run employees through a simulation over the course of a day. So typically a one or two day workshop. And then we provide reports for each individual user based on how they perform in the scenario. And those scenarios are typically created ahead of time in conjunction with these companies' training departments. And then we provide reports to management so they can see how their employees performed as a whole. So, mm-hmm. so you to go to the client with your equipment, which is your VR headset. Yes. And, then, and then there is also a technician from your team who goes there, who tells them how to use it, and then monitors the performance. Yeah, exactly. So it's that's the way it's set up right now. It's really as a service that way. So yeah. oh, okay. hardware comes on location, the technician runs it, and then employees have the opportunity to go through an experience, customized experience. Okay, interesting. So can you tell us about um, some of the clients that you have worked with and what kind of uh, value we're able to bring to them? Sure. So primarily we're working right now with corporate training companies. So we have a a partner company called MDC and they have an existing client base of customers who come in to ask for different types of presentation skills. So they run workshops on leadership training, communication skills in general, presentation skills. And the value we're adding to that is that a lot of these programs offer incredible content about how to become a more effective speaker or communicator. But the gap that we're trying to fill is the ability to practice those skills. So from the early studies we've looked at, um, knowledge retention for anything like reading or lecture-based learning is around 5 to 10%. But in an experiential learning scenario, retention rates are showing about to 75%. And so what we're trying to do is give people a place to practice this content they're learning. So when they go through an experience like MDC offers, where they teach content about how to hold yourself when you speak or how to make sure you're not moving your hands too much. We can put people into a simulation where they can apply that knowledge and start to develop the muscle memory around it so they can retain it. So that's really the value add is to give people a practice environment for the skills they learn. Otherwise, they're just practicing it in the real scenario and there's the risk of embarrassing themselves or really not being ready to put it into action yet. Um, In addition to that, we're able to provide objective feedback about how they perform. So for a lot of these people, when they learn a new skill or they want to become a more effective public speaker, they're either practicing in front of the mirror, their dog, or maybe they're practicing in front of some friends willing to listen to them. But it's hard to get objective feedback in any of those scenarios. Um, You know, if you're lucky enough to have friends that want to listen to you practice, it's (laughs) unlikely they'll tell you what you really want to hear because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. I mean, unless you've got friends like mine who, go out of their way to do that kind of thing. (laughs) But with what we're doing, it's objective. And so we've worked with a lot of students, for instance, who have asked us um, to see their results after after they have gone through a simulation. And and we've been quick to offer them our personal opinions, but they're not really interested in that. Um, They want to know what the computer said uh, because it's not biased. So they feel like they can trust it and um, it's what they want to hear to make improvements on. So it's interesting to see where uh, where people are receptive to this feedback from. So 
uh, Watson's been great for that. Mm -hmm. So when they use the equipment during the practice sessions, what do they see on the headset? Do they see like a huge audience on the screen, standing on the stage? What are they seeing? Yeah, exactly. When you put on this headset, it's difficult to describe without actually having been through it, which is one of the major things we struggle with. But um, you, you almost forget where you are. Um, mm. So when you put on that headset, you'll feel like you're standing on a stage in front of a live audience. And they'll laugh at your jokes or ask questions. They'll get bored if you start kind of you know, talking like this, droning on. Um, <laughs> they respond to you in real time, and we do that with a mixture of um, AI and human control systems so that it feels responsive. And that's one of the advantage of, advantages of the virtual reality system we're using is that it's, it is responsive to you. It will react in real time. So yeah, it's, um, it's what you would see is dependent on sort of what we're trying to accomplish with you. So for people like students who are practicing for presentations, um, they'd be practicing in an auditorium. So those are typically for university students practicing to give some sort of class presentation. For some of the sales associates we work with, they're practicing in a boardroom. So when they put on the headset, it'll feel like they're standing in a penthouse boardroom. They'll be able to look out and see you know, a cityscape. And in the boardroom itself is a typical boardroom they'll be in. A large sort of conference table and they'll be across from board members who will ask them a series of questions so it really depends on what the person is trying to learn but our focus in the past few months has been on sales training and helping sales associates overcome client objections have difficult conversations with clients or their bosses and then just give them a place to practice that realistically mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting mm -hmm. so do you see any kind of applications in uh, a high school or college or university con context with instructors perhaps could use something like this? Uh, yes, absolutely. We've had, a, we've had quite a few conversations around that for teachers training to give lectures in an auditorium, and we have, we have great simulations for that. So typically when we work with universities, um, the way we've sort of fit in there is actually through their uh, incubator program. So they'll have startups that work out of the university, and a lot of their teams will be pitching ideas. So just to kind of branch off your, your original question here, um, we have done some work with the universities, not specifically with teachers, but um, usually they'll refer us to these incubator programs where people have a vested interest in being able to pitch effectively. And so these startup teams will go into our simulation to practice pitching their idea in an auditorium because that's usually the university setting for these pitch competitions or investor-type pitch meetings. So that's what we've been doing with universities right now. Interesting. And uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about is how to uh, acquire corporate clients because for many new ventures, that is a big challenge, getting uh, your foot in the door, getting someone to take your calls. So can you tell us about your experience acquiring the first big client? Yeah, it's, it's difficult for us to sort of distill a process for that right now. We're in a similar position and a lot of that credit is uh, owed to our third co-founder, Nicole, she's extremely tenacious when it comes to that sort of thing. So she really attacks it from every possible angle. We, she's constantly at networking events, trying to make inroads. Um, and she's very passionate about what we do. So I think that's what really resonates with people is we're not just trying to sell something. Um, we really believe that VR is a tool people can benefit from, especially in this context. So whether it's going to a networking event or just making a cold call, sending an email, trying to add someone on LinkedIn, sort of the typical routes people take to make these uh, first points of contact. I think the reason we've had success is because that passion has been obvious. Um, 
more often than not, we just want to introduce people to the concept of VR. So I think we have some novelty that people are interested in as well. It's a sort of golden age of uh, people's interest in VR. They've, some people are just curious to see what it does in general. And then it's up to us to show them our specific application. Um, but in terms of sort of uh, providing guidance in that sense, I think it has to just be that you have to be passionate about what you're talking about. Because at the end of the day, people are people. And that translates better than I think most business conversations do is genuine interest in what you do personally. So um, most of our, I think our first our first meeting, big meeting with one of the big five banks in the GTA came through actually one of the incubators we initially worked with in Burlington. So we were introduced to a contact there and that was how our first meeting got set up, which was great for us. It was, again, I think typical in the sense that these incubators are always trying to introduce people introduce the startups to people they know and expand the network. So that was one, um, that was one great way to, to get in there. And then after that, it's really up to you to, to drive things forward. So I think that's what Nicole did for us is she took that first meeting and she has a way of getting people excited about what we do. So that's, we're lucky we have, uh, have our team. Mm-hmm. And when you do business with uh, these uh, corporate clients, is it like, a one-time transaction or do you have like uh, uh, any kind of repeat or ongoing business with them? We're always trying to think long-term. Actually, very specifically what we're doing right now is we're really trying to work with only a handful of these corporate clients. It's our mindset that we want to over-deliver to a small group of people instead of trying to expand quickly and sort of dilute our service offering. And so the way we come in is we understand that to have this conversation at a corporate level, it takes multiple demonstrations of what this tech's capable of. So this first meeting, the first meeting we have is usually with almost anyone we can get time with, especially in the beginning. We took, we take every meeting because anyone who can validate what we're doing is valuable to us. So we know that that's, that's how this goes, is that the, the process of getting in there is already a long-term Start to finish, I think, before we do any work, it's usually a six-month lead time from when we try and get a meeting to when we actually get in there to do paid work, uh, minimum, uh, especially at this Fortune 500 level. So in that six months, we can do anywhere between three to six meetings until we get to the right person, a decision maker who can say, all right, let's, let's make some kind of call on us coming in. Um, our first step is always to do a lightweight pilot. We, don't, we try not to ask these companies too much in terms of their time or resources. So that's that's the reason we bring this equipment out and don't ask them to come here. Um, and the reason we, we have tried to stick to this workshop format that they're used to. Um, that's the other difficulty of VR right now is that there's no real protocol for how people use this equipment. So a lot of the times we're dealing with logistical challenges more than technical challenges. So. Um, our thinking is absolutely long-term for that. How do we create something that companies can come back to? And since they already do these sort of workshops with existing training companies that will come in and teach leadership training or teach presentation skills, that's the reason we've started targeting corporate training companies because they already have an existing sort of working relationship with most of the end users we're looking at target right now, which is these larger companies. So. 
Um, we've started doing repeat work with some of them that has started last year. So we have two-part pilots, or we'll have a phase one of introducing this to a small group of people at the company. We'll run anywhere between 40 and 100 employees through a simulation. And then once we sort of have established that this is useful for them, um, then we can start talking about expanding. But it is a long process, and you're jumping from one department to the other, so it, it seems sporadic, but our thinking is always long-term. We're, we're never trying to do just a one-off work. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, it's, it's critical for us to choose who we work with right now because we have a small team, so we're starting to, to limit who we we do try and engage on an ongoing basis uh, if we find a company's not you know willing to sort of run with us or uh, looks like they're going to slow things down we, we have to try and think critically even though it may be a good opportunity so it's still a lot of learning for us we have no real um, uh, set process right now it's really starting to think things through as they come at us mm-hmm. so once you do this uh, practice session with the client uh, and and they try the equipment and they practice. Um, after that, can you give some examples of the kind of recommendations that you have given them as to how they can improve their uh, public speaking? Sure. So, yeah, to that point, we actually try and make a pretty clear distinction between what we offer um, with respect to feedback in that way. Uh, we're not professionals in the sense that we're uh, trainers of public speaking. Mm-hmm. What we try and offer is a way to practice that skill and measure it. But we really leave it up to these companies, specifically their training departments, to pull insights out of the data. Um, and that's another reason we work with corporate training companies is we ourselves don't want to be content developers. We don't want to teach people how to become more effective communicators at this time. Um, we want to help them measure that ability, which I know is somewhat confusing, but... Um, it's just where our skill set lies. So we don't come in and say you should speak at 150 words per minute because there is no set speaking speed. Everyone has a different sort of style. And so we can come in and say you speak at 150 words per minute. It's up to you to figure out how fast you want to speak. But now you have a, a number to work with. So if you like how Barack Obama speaks, he speaks at 110 words per minute. And so you can decide whether you want to speak slower or you want to speak faster. But we're not the ones to tell you what's right or wrong in that sense. We're just giving objective feedback that you can use to make improvements on your own or that trainers can use to help people reach their goals. So does that sort of mm-hmm. clarify what, uh, what our offering is there? Um, so you're not giving recommendations, but you're giving them data. Yeah, that's, data. that's really the distinction is that we can provide a lot of data uh, recommending what you do with that data is not something we're offering. Really okay. So, so can you g- give examples of the data that you share? Yeah, for sure. So in a typical sort of preliminary report, we can tell you how well are you following your company protocol. So there are things that employers want their employees to say and things they don't want them to say. So we can track that in pretty much real time. As long as the Wi-Fi is good, that's, <laughs> we can provide that sort of insight in real time. So, for instance, they'll have employees you know, with this with this protocol they need to follow. So we'll be able to provide insight on that. We'll be able to provide insight on how fast they're speaking, how many times they're saying these popular filler words like "like" or "actually." So um, we can track their eye contact in real time. So in a meeting, people will want to know 
who is the employee making eye contact with? Is it only with someone who asked them a question or are they able to distribute it across the room? That's even more important in these pitch scenarios where we can tell them, you know, you only looked at the center of the audience. You didn't look at the left and right sides of the stage. You didn't look at the judges. You looked at your notes for too long. So this eye contact insight is a popular one for people as well. They can start to see where they're looking. Did you look at your feet the whole time? Did you even try and make eye contact with the audience? What's interesting about those two metrics, filler words and eye contact, is that people naturally improve that without any recommendation. So from the sort of anecdotal research we have is people will improve that anywhere between 10 and 20% on their own just by knowing those numbers. So they see that they said so 35 times in a two-minute speech. Most of the time, people will naturally decrease that because they're just aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. So... And as soon as I say that, I always start saying so. so, so. <laughs> but other, other metrics we have started to collect are, are biometrics like heart rate. And we're still trying to learn best about how to present that data because it's somewhat difficult to, to put that again to a recommendation. Right now, for the most part, we've seen it being used to start to get an insight into was that specific question that's something that spikes people's heart rate. So when people are asked something like, why do you deserve a raise? Is that something that's going to stress people out more than, you know, how do you provide value to the company or are you willing to make a lateral move or the other typical questions you're going to be asked in an interview. So that's where we see the value of some of the biometric data we collect. But yeah, off the top, those are some of the more popular metrics and really VR is an incredible tool for collecting data in general. It's scary almost the amount of data you can collect. Mm. So that's another thing we try and work out with these clients is assessing what what do they want to collect and then we try and come up with the best way to do that. Okay, interesting. And when you approach the client, let's say you're doing a cold call, for example, or you're trying to reach somebody online, um, are, who are you reaching out to? Are you reaching out to HR? Are you reaching out to... Uh, because I'm guessing not all companies have a training department right. per se. So who do you reach out to? Uh, we've definitely done some trial and error in that regard. It seems to be that different companies have different people responsible for these things. And HR was a target of ours for a while. And we did have some success through HR um, in onboarding. We've targeted sales specifically. So sales VPs are, if you can get a hold of them, those are really decision makers. Um, at least I've noticed they seem to be the ones in charge of sort of budgeting decisions. Basically, what we're trying to do is really find the person who makes any sort of purchasing decision. And that it takes some trial and error to figure that out. But typically for us, sales has been the most interested. They're revenue generating, so they have larger budgets for training their staff. HR is, is good as well because there's mandatory training to do for any new employees. So that's another training-focused sort of department. But it's a bit of trial and error, really trying to find the right person. So usually we try and find a company that would have an interest in having their employees be effective communicators. So anyone that has client, a heavy population of client-facing employees, and then we sort of work backwards to figure out, all right, you know, where are those employees' focus? Is it sales? Are they customer-facing? Are they bank tellers? Who who are they? And then try to figure out who the best, who the highest person in that department um, we can reach is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then the person that you reach out to, whether it's HR or the VP of sales, 
he may make the, they may make the decision but they may not be the actual person to use it yes so, true so you are actually approaching them to sell a product that someone else in their company might use so is there like a challenge in that yeah yeah actually really a good point they're definitely not the only ones part of the conversation so they're a critical person to have in the meeting at, at some point but there there are definitely other people who are more directly like associated with what we're doing so it, it's important to have everyone part of the conversation one thing we definitely face is that people will see what we're doing as a competitor to the status quo in the company or especially mm-hmm. a competitor to companies that they're already happy using so these corporate training companies for instance and we try and make it very clear we're not we're not really looking to compete with a lot of these typical trainers or existing protocols we're looking to augment them um, i don't see us as a competitor to any sort of traditional learning um, that goes on in these companies i think that that content piece that these trainers do themselves or that other third parties come in to do is still extremely valuable all we're trying to do is give these employees a way to practice those skills. And so it's important that anyone who's involved in that process knows that and understands what we're doing. They definitely need to see a demo themselves to, to understand the context. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not just the person making the, uh, the purchasing decision. It's anyone that's going to be part of the logistics that day. Hopefully we can get an employee's opinion before it comes in, but that's somewhat rare. But yeah, no, you're right for sure. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to pitch your product is something as a complement or a supplement to the existing tools that they have whether it's a trainer or whether they're using other technologies you want to supplement that rather than replace that yes exactly that's what we're looking to do is really is really just fill a gap we see in that learning process um, so yeah I, I think that's that's at the heart of it yeah, what we're trying mm-hmm. to and have you had any kind of like word of mouth recommendations or referrals through your existing clients through our existing clients i think most some of them are natural competitors we're working with some of the the financial institutes in the gta so i think that sort of word of mouth does travel and it's obviously the most valuable way to make connections especially through the school system that's another inevitable sort of process especially with how social media works now a lot of people want to talk about the innovative ways they're training or trying to help their employees or students so i think somewhat indirectly it it definitely has helped us and we also go to a lot of these pitch competitions ourselves to try and generate that sort of exposure mm-hmm. so i feel like anyone who speaks about us so far thankfully it's it's been positive so yeah yeah i would say the word about this helped us in that regard okay how's your experience been at the ibm innovation space Yeah, it's been great. We haven't been here too long, but it's nice to be here because we were actually using Watson for about a year and a half before we came here. So, wow, it was, yeah, it was nice to hear about this and, and be welcomed the way we were, especially because we chose Watson very specifically, um, and not with the knowledge that this was an option for us. So, um, it's been great being here because again, it's another place to build inroads, and it's nice to be able to bump into someone and have a conversation here and then try and do it over email. Yeah. Because again, yeah, what we're doing is something that needs to be seen to be understood at this point. So yeah, it's been invaluable to be here so far. Perfect. Uh, how can people learn more about your business? They need to come to a demo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, without that, it would be best uh, to yeah check out our website. Um, we have a couple 
couple great videos that we've tried to use to articulate what we do, but the best thing would be to, to email us. We're always looking to have meetings with people that are interested in what we do. Something we're trying to do to stay connected to a lot of the people that are interested in this is once a month we're running a day where the public can come in and practice for an actual scenario that they're dealing with. So this month we had the first session where people were able to drop in and come practice for a work presentation or anything they're doing in class. Our, our ultimate goal really is to work with B2C customers. We want people to be able to practice the night before a big presentation. And even though that's a few years away, we think that's at least one way that people can learn about it and stay in touch with us. So keep an ear out for, for that next training, I guess, will be another, another good way for them to stay in touch. That is an interesting sales strategy to have those demo days mm-hmm. where people can come and try the technology and then those people can become customers down the line. Yeah, hopefully. There's no charge for it now. It's just our way to stay connected to the people we're, we're hoping to help one day. But yeah, absolutely. There's there's uh, the hope that if they see value in it today and they can bring this back to their company to talk about it, I mean, we're not going to say no to that. So. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, uh, it has been very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about InState. So thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Perfect. And your website is instage.ca. That's right. Perfect. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening to Zonecast. And if you'd like to learn more about InStage, you can visit the website instage.ca. And thank you again for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.